Coming up next, please join us for Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 123. Shalom, I'm Avi Ben Mordechai. Welcome to Real Israel Talk Radio. This is podcast episode 123 and a part 10 analysis of Yeshua's last Passover week timeline of events leading to his crucifixion and his third day resurrection. Once again, I recommend that you navigate over to my website and download any of the free resource documents that are available addressing a chronology calendar of events that I call Exhibits A and B. And you can find those at www.cominghome, that's one word, cominghome.co.il. Then simply put a forward slash and go to general hyphen five. General hyphen five. And that's there at my website, or just simply go over to the website and navigate using the menu tools options. And with these documents, you can follow along with my talk for today's study. In our previous analysis, podcast episode 122 and part 9 in this program series, I walked you through event numbers 4 through 6 of the 27 events that I have identified as part of the actions shaping the last week of Yeshua's earthly ministry, resulting in his fifth day of the week crucifixion, or what we would refer to as a Thursday, and his seventh day resurrection, which of course would be the Sabbath. Yeshua referred to this event as three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, from our previous program, again, on part nine, we learned the following. One, based on Exodus 12, 6, Yeshua celebrated his last Passover with his disciples on the 14th day of the first month, referred to in Hebrew scripture as Aviv. The second point we learned, the 14th of the Hebrew month Aviv is 14 days into the new year, based on Exodus 12.2, which happens to be reflected in the statement made in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 1. The third thing we learned from our previous study, based on the Sadok priestly solar calendar of events, the 14th of Aviv will always fall on the third day of the week, what we would call a Tuesday. The fourth thing, based on the calendar of the Judean Pharisees, the 14th day of the first Hebrew month of Aviv, it floats based on two witnesses citing the lighted horns of the new moon and then giving their testimony of what they saw 
in front of the Jerusalem Sanhedrin. Therefore, based on specific rules of the Judean Pharisees and religious leaders of the day, the Passover can only fall on certain numbered days of the week in any given year. The fifth thing, based on the calendar of the Judean Pharisees, the end of their 14th day of the first month and the beginning of their 15th day of the Hebrew month of Aviv, it just so happened to fall on the fifth day of the week in what we would call the evening sunset of Thursday. Therefore, the Pharisaic Passover was celebrated two days after the priestly Tzadok sons of Aaron Passover, which took place two days prior, on Tuesday evening of that final week in Yeshua's life. The sixth point, that specific two-day difference between the Passover of the priestly Tzadok sons of Aaron and the Passover of the Judean Pharisees was apparently only in what we would call year 27 of this common era, abbreviated with the letters C-E. In other words, that two-day difference could only fall in a very specific year. It couldn't just fall anywhere you want to put it. It happened to fall specifically in what we refer to as Year 27. That is what my research has shown me. The seventh point. That two-day difference between the Sadok reckoning and the Judean Pharisee reckoning in year 27 explains a lot of the narrative inconsistencies in the timing of Yeshua's last Passover week, from his early morning arrest to his late afternoon crucifixion. The eighth point, Yeshua's triumphal entry, as it is called, did not happen on the first day of the week, what we would call a Sunday, as is commonly understood. Instead, I found that his triumphal entry into the eastern gate of Jerusalem fell on the morning of the fifth day of the week, in what we would call Thursday, which was precisely eight days before his crucifixion, based accordingly on the Judean Pharisaic reckoning. The ninth point, Yeshua's asserting words against a nearby fig tree specifically fell on the tenth day of the first Chodesh, according to Exodus 12, verse 3, which so happens to be the day when the lambs are selected for Passover. And finally, the tenth point that I want to make from what we learned on our last study is that according to the Tzadok calendar reckoning, that event of the tenth day of the first Chodesh When he spoke against the fig tree, that event happened on what we would call the morning of Friday, 
five days before the official biblical Passover of Exodus 12, verse 6. Now let us pick up where we left off previously. And today, I want to continue now with event number seven in that last Passover week of Yeshua's life before his crucifixion and his third-day resurrection. And once again, I recommend that you navigate over to my website and download the free available resource documents addressing a chronology calendar of events that I call Exhibits A and B, so that you can follow along with my talk for today's study. That being said, let's now go to the seventh event that I have identified out of 27 events in that final week of Yeshua, and that is a Sunday late afternoon on the 12th day of the first Chodesh, or first month, of the new year, based on Exodus chapter 12, verse 2. Let's read three passages from the Gospel narratives. Mark 14, 1-2. It reads from the New King James Version, After two days, it was the Passover, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, No, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. Follow me now to Matthew 26, 1-2. Now it came to pass, when Yeshua had finished all these sayings, which involves the Olivet Discourse and the End Times Teachings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man must be delivered up, meaning he has to be given over or handed over to be crucified. Let's now go to Luke 22, 1-2. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. The narratives declare the following three points as a kind of time stamp for us. First, it says, after two days, it was time for the Passover. Second. Yeshua said that the Son of Man will be delivered up, meaning given over or handed over, to be crucified. And the third point, the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near. Now, these three references from the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, and Luke appear to be time-stamped according to the Sadok Reckoned Calendar, meaning they are not according to the Judean Pharisaic calendar of the temple. Follow me, and I will explain. First, we know from historical records of the early first century that two religious calendars were uninterruptedly functioning side by side, as shown in my calendar exhibits A and B. 
The second point is according to the Sadok 7's solar calendar, this is the first day of the week. That is, this event is happening on Sunday, the 12th day of the first Chodesh or the first month, based on Exodus chapter 12, verse 2. Now, according to our Western way of counting days, this was two days before the official biblical Passover of Exodus 12, 6. However, I want you to consider the ancient Jewish way of reckoning the counting of days, as it was typically understood to count days inclusively. Here's an example of how Yeshua counted his days. Luke 13.32 Yeshua said, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Then Luke 13.33 Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following. So from these passages, we learn that the word today refers to day one. Then the word tomorrow refers to day two. And the following day, that refers to day three. Now, another point that I want to make is that within the context of the Tzedok biblical Hebrew calendar paradigm, A day always begins with sunrise, or what we call in Hebrew, bokeh. That is, a day always begins as the orb of the sun is rising over the eastern horizon. That is a given. It's always that way, because that's what the Hebrew word bokeh means. Therefore, as I understand the statement, quote, After two days is the Passover, this can only mean one thing. The word today means this morning's sunrise to the sunrise of tomorrow morning. That is called day one. Then tomorrow means tomorrow's sunrise to the sunrise of the next morning. That would be the second day. And then the phrase and the following That can only mean the sunrise of the third morning to the sunrise of the fourth morning or the next day. That would be the third day. So, according to the timestamps of Mark 14, 1 through 2, and Matthew 26, 1 through 2, with each of them declaring, quote, after two days is Passover. They are both indicating the first and second days of the week, or what we would call Sunday and Monday, the 12th and the 13th of the first Chodesh, or first month, of the new year. In other words, sunrise on Sunday was day one, and sunrise on Monday was day two. But the narrative then goes on to say, after two days, 
is the Passover. So this means that with the sunrise of Tuesday, the 14th day of the Hebrew month Aviv, based on Exodus chapter 13, the next event in that sequence was clearly to expect the slaughter of the Passover lamb on Tuesday, specifically in between the evenings at about 3 o'clock on that late Tuesday afternoon in the Tzedok priestly quarter of Jerusalem. And we're going to learn a little bit later on about this 3 o'clock slaughter. So stay with me, okay? In the meantime, all of this is going to explain why we read this in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 12, quote from the New King James Version. Now, on the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, that is, when they slaughtered the lamb, his disciples said to him, quote, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? Meaning that you may eat the slaughtered lamb. This statement is referring to mid Tuesday afternoon, the 14th of the first Chodesh or first month, based on Exodus chapter 12, verse 2 which is according to the Sadok calendar reckoning system that Yeshua was observing. So Yeshua required that his disciples obey the divine mandate to slaughter the lamb on that late Tuesday afternoon, the 14th of the first Chodesh, or the first month. But according to the Judean Pharisaic lunar calendar system, their Passover slaughter was not yet. In other words, their Passover slaughter was still a wait of two more days on what we would call a late Thursday afternoon. Now let's continue and have a look at Matthew 26, verse 2, and Yeshua's statement, the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified, meaning he will be given over or handed over to be crucified. Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 26, verse 2, and let's go to the second half of that statement. Yeshua said, The Son of Man will be delivered up or given over or handed over to be crucified. So this leads to the question, At what time or when was he delivered up? At what time or when was he given over or handed over to be crucified? The narrative in Matthew 26, 47 through 50, will answer this question for us. So let's read it together. Matthew 26, 47 through 50. Yehuda, or Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. 
Immediately, he went up to Yeshua and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. But Yeshua said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Yeshua and took him. So I asked the question, when or at what time did this happen? Well, we know from reading the historical record that it happened under the cover of darkness in the Garden of Gethsemane, or Gethsemane, after Yeshua and his disciples arrived in the midst of the groves of the olive presses of that garden called Gethsemane, or Gethsemane. You see, it was late Tuesday night, in fact, around midnight, when they left their upper room Torah Passover festival because it was still the third day of the week for Yeshua and his disciples, meaning it was still Tuesday night. The date hadn't yet changed like it does with the Pharisaic calendar, and it was still many hours before the rising sun of Wednesday morning, this can only mean one thing, that it was still the 14th of the first Chodesh or first month that is called Aviv in the book of Exodus, chapter 13, verse 4. Now, this poses an interesting question. Why did Yehuda or Judas and all those coming to arrest Yeshua in the garden wait to accomplish their deed at Gethsemane. In other words, why not just go and arrest him right there in the home where he was with his disciples celebrating the Passover according to the Sadok calendar reckoning system? Why didn't they just do that? That would have been easier, I would think. And certainly Judas knew where that location was because he was there that night before leaving later on to go and fulfill his destiny with Yeshua's enemies. I think the answer is that because Yehuda was keenly aware that the Sadok priestly group was not only hated by the Jerusalem religious leadership, but that it was also a gated community. You see, Yehuda knew precisely where Yeshua and his disciples were keeping the festival, obviously. But I cannot even imagine that Yehuda and his band of scribes, Pharisees, Bothusians, and Herodian Sadducees would even dare to try to break through that priestly gated community of Jerusalem to go and arrest that whole group of people. However, Yehuda quite likely knew Yeshua's late-night plans to travel over the Kidron Valley to Gethsemane. For Yehuda, that was the perfect opportunity to avoid a massive skirmish in the Jerusalem priestly quarter. I think he needed to carry out his ill-fated mission in a more neutral place. And this is why I believe Yeshua said to Yehuda just before eating the Passover supper that night, which is recorded for us in John 13, 27 through 30. Yeshua said to Yehuda, 
what you do, do quickly. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. So we learn from this that Yehuda didn't hang around long enough to eat of the slaughtered Passover lamb. He took off long before that. So it was very late on Tuesday night, and it was still the 14th of the first Chodesh of the new year, according to Exodus 12, verse 6. So all this was according to the Sadok 7's calendar system, as shown on Exhibit B. Now I'm going to take a quick break and continue our look into this chronology, okay? This is Avi Ben Mordechai, and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio. Welcome back to the second half of Real Israel Talk Radio. This is episode 123. Here is your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Okay, welcome back to Real Israel Talk Radio. I'm Avi Ben Mordechai. Let's continue where we left off just before the break. We were speaking about John 13.30, which gives us the testimony, quote, And it was night. And that's why we read in Matthew 26, 1-2, that Yeshua said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up or given over or handed over to be crucified. You see, it happened as Yeshua said it would happen. He was handed over to be crucified while it was still during the late night of Passover under the cover of darkness on the 14th of the first month. So now permit me to put all of this together in a kind of paraphrase. Let's go to Matthew 26, 1 through 2, and here's my paraphrase of the event. Yeshua said to his disciples, You all know that after today, referring to Sunday of Eve 12, and tomorrow, Monday of Eve 13, it will be our Passover, meaning it's not the Judean Pharisaic Passover, and I will be betrayed, given over, and handed over to be crucified. So Yehuda, or Judas, betrayed Yeshua into the hands of his religious enemies following their Tuesday night upper room Passover supper. For Yeshua and his disciples, it was very late on that night of the 14th of the Hebrew month of Eve, when Yehuda or Judas delivered up Yeshua during the overnight hours of that Tuesday under the cover of darkness, it was already a new day for the Judean Pharisees and Sadducees, because the Judean Pharisaic calendar system reckons a day from sunset to sunset. So this is why John 13.30 says, quote, And it was night, because the date changes only at sunrise. So it's still the 14th, 
Then, with the arrival of the sunrise on Wednesday morning, the 15th of the first month, or first Chodesh, Yeshua and his disciples would have called it the first day of unleavened bread, which they knew from the words of Moses, as recorded in Exodus 13, verses 3 through 4. So let's read that together from the New King James Version. Quote, Remember this day, says Yehovah, referring to the day beginning with sunrise, which was the first day of unleavened bread in the time of Moses, after sunrise, not the previous night when the sun goes down, but rather only when the sun rises on that morning. That's the 15th day of the first month. And Yehovah goes on to say, this is the time in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand, Yehovah brought you out of this place. So then he goes on to say, no leavened bread shall be eaten on this day, referring to the daylight hours of that day. You are going out in the Chodesh, or the first month of what is called the month of Aviv. So this brings us to the recorded statement of Luke 22, verses 1-2. through Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. According to the Greek texts that we have available, permit me to present to you the statement in a way that I believe it should appear without the help of any translational bias. Luke 22, verse 1, quote, Now the festival of the unleaveneds drew near, that which is called Passover. Now, I do know that this sounds a bit awkward to say the festival of the unleaveneds. That means the festival of the unleavened breads. Okay, that's the idea that is being conveyed in this verse. So, even though it sounds awkward, nonetheless, it is an accurate rendering for the Hebrew Torah. Indeed, it is okay to say that the Feast of Unleavened Bread was, in fact, drawing near. But that is not specifically of what this statement is speaking about. The Greek text tells us that the Passover is called the Feast of the Unleaveneds, meaning the Festival of the Unleavened Breads, plural, using a plural form for the word unleavened bread. And this is important. So let's look into the Torah to learn more about this. Go to Exodus 12, verse 8. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, meaning the night of the 14th of the first Hebrew month. And they are to eat the flesh of that lamb roasted in fire with unleavened bread. And with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. This is the command of Jehovah 
So here we learn four rules when partaking of the Passover or the slaughtered lamb. Rule number one, the eating of the lamb must be at night. This is the Hebrew term lila, meaning under the cover of darkness, after the stars appear. The second point, the eating of the flesh must not be raw. It must be roasted in fire. The third point, the eating must be with unleavened bread. And the fourth point, the eating must be with bitter herbs. So this is telling us in some very straightforward, plain words that we must partake in the slaughtered lamb of the Passover based on the principle that it is with the darkness of night, that it's with the flesh of the lamb roasted in fire, that it is with unleavened bread, and that it is with bitter herbs. Anything else that was added to that ritual was added by Pharisaic decree. So now, let me make the point that the Passover is one full day that begins with sunrise on the 14th of the first Chodesh, or first month, and it ends with sunrise on the morning of the 15th day of the first Chodesh. And the second point I want to make, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or Unleavened Breads, is seven full days, and it always begins with sunrise on the morning of the 15th of the first Chodesh, and it concludes with the arrival of the sunrise on the 22nd of the first Chodesh, or first month. Consequently, the text of Luke 22, verse 1, is 100% correct, because it is speaking about two festivals that are culturally merged into one extended festival of eight days. All of this is called the Festival of the Unleaveneds, or if you will, the Festival of the Unleavened Breads, as an all-inclusive plural concept. So, in summary, first, we have the Feast of the Passover. That's found in Exodus 12, verse 8. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat him. And the second point, the festival of unleavened breads, that's going to be a plural idea, based on Exodus 12, 18, that in the first Chodesh, or first month, on the 14th day of that Chodesh, at evening, you will eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the Chodesh at evening. The point that we have to drive home here is that both the one-day festival of the Passover lamb and the seven-day festival of unleavened bread 
both require that we eat unleavened bread. Meaning, for one night we eat unleavened bread with the Passover lamb, and for seven days and nights we eat unleavened bread as a festival of remembrance of the Passover in and of itself. However, both are two different festivals that just so happen to be side by side with each other, but they are not one all-inclusive festival. They never were, not in the days of Moses. Therefore, Luke 22.1 tells us that the festivals are the festivals of the unleavened breads, or literally the unleaveneds, which is plural terminology for the eating of unleavened bread over multiple days and events. Of course, this brings us back to the first half of the statement made in Mark 14.1. Follow with me. After two days, it was the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Breads, plural. This is not explicitly supposed to be about the seven-day Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's not. Due to translational bias, this is generally understood to mean that it was Passover and also the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Naturally, this concept creates confusion for the reader when there should be no confusion at all. The good news is that some New Testament translators have remained faithful to the Greek by placing the words, the Feast of, in italics, because they know that those words do not actually occur in any of the textual traditions that we have, at least not that I am aware of. In other words, the first half of Mark 14.1 correctly and accurately tells us that it was not the Feast of Unleavened Bread, but rather it was unleavened bread that was the bread being eaten or taken with the eating of the Passover lamb. Let me say it differently. In no case does any textual tradition say that this was the feast of unleavened bread. And this is an important distinction to understand. With the Sadok calendar reckoning system, the sunrise of the next morning was always a new day, because the date is supposed to change in Hebrew thinking. And after the 14th of the Hebrew month of Eve, when the sun comes up, that becomes the 15th day of the first Chodesh, or first month. And that is the day that is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread which is a seven-day festival, according to Exodus 13.6. So now to follow my thought process, I'm asking you to consult Exhibits A and B, which are available on my website under Podcast Extras. The Tzedok Priestly Passover festivities of the 14th day of the first Chodesh, or first month, 
that was on the third day of the week, on what we would call late Tuesday night, under the cover of darkness. For the Judean Pharisees and their official sighted moon calendar system, their Passover and unleavened bread was united and turned into one all-inclusive festival. But you see, that was still two days beyond that of the Sadok festival celebration from Tuesday. So in reading from the recorded narratives of Yeshua's last few days before his crucifixion, you can see that the Judean religious leadership was in a bit of a hurry to arrange for Yeshua's crucifixion, because their Passover and unleavened bread festivity, which was joined to become one festival, you see, that was forthcoming in a matter of two more days' time. So this is why Mark 14.2 records their anxiety. Read it with me. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery and put him to death. But they said, no, no, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. Well, of course they would say this, quote, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. Why are they saying this? Because for the Judean religious leadership, again, their festival date had not yet even arrived. It was due to be celebrated at about three o'clock in the afternoon on the fifth day of the week, Thursday, when it was still the 14th day of the first month of the Hebrew Aviv. However, with the setting sun and the slaughtering of the lambs on that late Thursday afternoon, the 14th of Aviv, on their calendar, the Judean religious leadership was already preparing to enter into an all-encompassing eight-day festival of matzah, or unleavened bread, which they also called Passover. Why? Because after sunset, the 14th day of the first month crosses over into the 15th day of the first month. That is, it happened from Thursday sunset to Friday sunset in that particular year. And if you happen to join in doing a Passover, you will see quite clearly that Judaism still does it the same exact way. That the 14th of the first month is the Passover, and it crosses over at sunset into the 15th. And they call that crossover of the events from the 14th to the 15th Passover, because the day changes with the sunset. In other words, from evening to evening. But that's not the way the Sadok calendar system operated. It was always for them morning to morning or sunrise to sunrise. So again, 
This is the way Judaism does it today, evening to evening. And that's why in the Hebrew Jewish tradition today, Passover is always after sunset on the 15th day or the first day of unleavened bread. It's because of this changeover from sunrise to sunrise to sunset to sunset. That's what confuses the matter. So again, we can see that the Judean religious leadership was in a bit of a hurry to wrap up all their dirty work concerning Yeshua so that they could observe their upcoming slaughter of the Passover lamb beginning late Thursday afternoon, according to their sighted moon schedule. Then they would be in a position to enter the next eight days of their feasts, and I might add to do it really without a guilty conscience. So if I were to say it in a different way, they were up against a rapidly approaching deadline to finish the dirty work concerning Yeshua so that the general population would not harbor anger against the Judean leadership for spoiling the upcoming festivities, and I suppose also because the general population did not hate Yeshua as much as the Jewish religious leadership hated him. So again, this is why Mark 14.2 records their statement, quote, not during the feast, because it hadn't even yet come, lest there be an uproar of the people. So they had less than 48 hours to sort out the mess concerning Yeshua and to essentially get him pulled out of the collective national conscience of the Jewish nation. And so with all this being said, I would like to now stop here because I think this is enough for one program and we'll come back on the next program and continue to unravel the story of Yeshua's last Passover week and bring some additional clarity to the manifold events that were rapidly unfolding with each passing hour of that week. Coming up, I'll speak about the second of the two days of Matthew 26, 1 through 2, that is Monday, leading up to the biblical Passover of Exodus 12, 6, and how it is linked to events 7 and 8, when Yehuda or Judas, set in motion with the temple authorities all the details to be carried out in the groves of the Garden of Gethsemane and the Olive Presses on that very night. On his signal, Yehuda sought to justify his betrayal with the lesson from Psalm 212, Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. This might be why Yehuda went out that next night, Tuesday night, 
from the Passover table, according to John 13, 21 through 27. And next time, we'll also have a deeper look into the calendar reckoning of the Judean Pharisees who defined Rosh Chodesh by the term new moon, when it was never meant to be understood that way. We'll compare this with the Sadok priestly families who counted festival days by 7, 30, 91, 360, and 364. Consequently, this will explain the two-day calendrical difference between the Tzedok reckoning system and the Judean Pharisaic system in what we would call year 27 of this common era. It will also explain Luke 22.10 and the statement that Yeshua made when he said to Peter and John, quote, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house which he enters. Go to my website if you have any further questions and you want to also download any of the free resources that are available for you there under Podcast Extras. Go to www.cominghome.com .co.il Again, cominghome.co.il In the meantime, I want to thank you for joining me today and stay the course of your faith and belief in the Messianic Redemption story of Yeshua the Messiah. I'm Avi Ben-Mordechai and you're listening to Real Israel Talk Radio.